0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have awesome news for you. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info, from Major League Baseball to the early NFL futures and everything in between, including UFC, golf, and more. It's all about Bet Online. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to get started. Get the bonus, get into the action, and get with Bet Online, where the game starts.
0: Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it, pizza, wings, wraps or a fresh salad plus something to wash it down then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials now you can get your burn dairy and deli favorites delivered with DoorDash all day every day you can count on burn dairy and deli it's all good hi this is cal Ripken jr and you're listening to the ml sports
1: platter <laughs> It is the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms. Go ahead and download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review where you get pods on your smartphone device. We are brought to you by Ken's Auto Detailing, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, and our great friends over at Rosie's Corner. Listen, they're closed for a little while if you're in and around Central New York. They're back open on July 18th taking some time away for the family and all the rest. And once you get back to Rosie's, you got to grab the pizza, wings, pasta, hot and cold subs and more. Fish Friday every week as well with the mac and cheese, coleslaw, and french fries. Rosie's Corner. For more, visit rosiescorner.com. And a tip of the cap thank you as well to Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State, your state farm agent, Matt Graham, and the Swan and Whitaker families for their support of the platform. All right, fun episode here coming up. I'm going to play you a crossover uh, episode from the Pandemonium Podcast and the Built-In Buffalo uh, Podcast Network with the amazing Ryan Talbot, New York Upstate Buffalo Bills Insider. He's the co-host of the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast with Matt Perino. Uh, We got into all sorts of great stuff, man. Camp being back at Fisher, storylines for training camp, Jamison Crowder potentially dominating at the slot position. Hype, pressure, expectations, uh, the offensive line strengths and scheme. Uh, July Fourth food power rankings. We got into all that, and then after that, I'm going to chat a little bit about the Bills' schedule and where I think home field advantage could be had during a major stretch after the bye week. So, without further ado, here on the M.O. Sports Platter, brought to you by Stanley Law Offices, it is Ryan Talbot, Buffalo Bills Insider. Here is that interview.
0: It's your boy, DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.
1: What's up, Bills Mafia? I am your host, Mike Lindsley, here on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure you follow and subscribe and like our stuff and review Uh, From the video content to the podcast content and everything in between, seven days a week of Buffalo Bills content here on the network, Built in Buffalo, on Twitter, at BuiltinBuffalo underscore. This is the Pandemonium Podcast. Let's waste no time and let's chat with Ryan Talbot right now from New York Upstate. He is crushing it right now, covering the team. He's also a co-host along with Matt Perino of the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. You can get him on Twitter, at Ryan Talbot Bills, and Yes, he just hit thirty thousand followers there. And finally, we love him the most because, you know, he went to the greatest school in America, St. Bonaventure University. Ryan, what's up, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Let's start with the training camp sort of burning questions that you have about this football team as they embark on one that is so full of expectations and hype. And look, even more than the last two years, there's you know, there's the prohibitive favorites for, for for the Super Bowl. Um what do you have your eye on in training camp as far as burning questions, Ryan? Yeah,
0: in terms of just the pure player standpoint, uh Tredavious White in cornerback position first and foremost. Uh do we see Trey White in terms of on the field? Where is he at the rehab process? Uh does he look like he'll be ready to go week one? That's obviously first and foremost for me, because if he's going to be ready week one, uh then you have a cornerback two competition between Kyrie Elam and Dane Jackson if Uh, White looks like he might not be ready for the start of the season. Well, then those two guys are most likely cornerback one, cornerback two in some sort of uh, order. Um, Offensively, obviously, you know, the slot receiver position, Cole Beasley is gone. They signed Jameson Crowder in free agency. They have Isaiah McKenzie, who's been with Josh Allen longer than any receiver on this team. Uh, so how do they split up those reps out of the slot? Crowder's really good at the yard after catch, which is one of Josh Allen's goals for this twenty twenty-two season. And, and then obviously a lot of new coaches, uh guys that are either promoted or returning, like Aaron Cromer, offensive line. He's been here before. But obviously Ken Dorsey is the offensive coordinator. That's one big thing to watch too. How does this offense look under Dorsey?
1: Jameson Crowder, he's gonna get a lot of he's gonna get a lot of targets, isn't he, Ryan, this year? You know, I would like to think so.
0: He, he's someone that, like I said, has the, I, I think has the good shot of taking over the Cole Beasley role. Even if Isaiah McKenzie sees a bigger role there, uh, Crowder's going to have his time, his reps. And listen, this is the best quarterback that he's ever played with. He, he's put up some solid stat lines in his career with subpar quarterback play. You insert you, him with Josh Allen in this offense. You have Gabriel Davis and obviously Stefan Diggs is your number one receiver. Uh, there's going to be a lot of attention paid to those guys, to Dawson Knox, so Jameson Crowder in the slot is going to have some favorable matchups, and I think he can do really well here.
1: Do you think the Bills will run more or less than last year from the running back position based solely on the addition of James Cook?
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be somewhere around the same. Uh, Just because James Cook is bread and butter, in my opinion, is going to be catching the ball off the backfield, so... Uh, Early on in the season, I think they're going to ease him into the lineup. You have to really like the way that Devin Singletary finished the regular season and even in the wild card round uh, against the Patriots. Uh, Someone that was putting up over 75 yards per game from about week 13, week 14 on over that time. Uh, Eight touchdowns. So he was running the ball well. There's not a pressing need to get Cook in there necessarily, but he's going to get more and more opportunities, first of all, as a pass catcher. But then, too, Uh, As a runner as well, he's slightly undersized. I think he can put some uh, muscle on his body before the start of the season in-season as well. I'm I'm interested to see what his role looks like by the end of the year. But early on, I think it's going to be the Devin Singletary
1: show. Okay, one area that's very interesting, um, I think, is offensive line. Um, I think the line could be really, really good. Um, We do need to see everybody at their respective positions and, and stay healthy and all that. I get it with consistent production. Uh, Deion Dawkins, I think we're going to get that. Mitch Morse, we're going to get that. You know, Spencer Brown, again, the consistent part there would be something to see. How do you see this offensive line taking shape, and is this going to be a different blocking schematically uh, type of offensive line under Aaron Cromer? Yeah, I'm interested to see what the line looks like at training camp
0: because you're right, your starting five is pretty much set But going in there. You have Dawkins, you have Roger Saffold, you have Mitch Morris, you have Ryan Bates, and then you have Spencer Brown. Now, Brown, we didn't see him uh, in this offseason today. He had a procedure, he wasn't on the field. We'll see where he's at in terms of the recovery. Is he out there right out of the gate? Uh, Saffold, he's obviously an older veteran, but he has some experience with Cromer. I think Cromer was excited to bring him in. Uh, you know, whether they change the system or not, Cromer is known to be able to coach some of these guys up. And I think on paper, they have a really a solid starting unit there. Uh, you have Ike Butker, who, in my opinion, might miss the first six weeks of the season. You start him out on the pup list, uh, but he is valuable depth. You have Cody Ford in a huge improvement season that will most likely be depth here. Um, I, I like the offensive line. I worry a little bit about the depth, obviously, uh, especially at tackle. Uh, Questenberry is a solid depth guy, but if something were to happen to either Dawkins or Brown, what's that going to look like long-term?
1: How excited are you for St. John Fisher? You know, training camp back there.
0: Yeah, I like going there. Uh, obviously Matt Perino will be there day in, day out, staying on campus in the dorms. I'll be up there on a lot of those weekend dates, those Friday, Saturday, Sunday dates, I love St. John Fisher College, I, I love the atmosphere, uh, the fans and the bleachers, multiple fields, things going on at once, and, and then obviously post-practice hitting up someplace to get a garbage
1: plate. So No doubt, somebody's going to have to, I mean, if he's in the dorm rooms, you got to deliver him like a 12-pack of Labatt and some ramen noodles, you know, for the nights. Yeah, yeah, make it uh, <laughs> feel like it did back in the colleges, although it probably wasn't Back then it is probably
0: keystone's or something uh, a lot cheaper, a lot more uh, affordable for the college age student.
1: At the end of this year, we know that Devin Singletary, Dawson Knox, Jordan Poyer, and Tremaine Edmonds are free agents. If you had to keep two of those guys, not looking, you know, I know, I know the financial things, they're all over the place, structured, uh, prorated. Uh, back end the deal do you you know put a lot of it into the into into the guaranteed money and your bonus and no, I get that they're all different numerically the contracts but if just based on production and based on fit and what they've done with this team and for this team if I told you you could pick two of those four who would you pick
0: yeah I'd go Dawson Knox and Tremaine Edmonds with no hesitation wow. okay. listen i like what Singletary's done. I think he's been a lot better than some fans uh, think he has. I think that the offensive line has underperformed at times uh, for the running backs, for Josh Allen, everyone, you know, top to bottom there. And I think he's produced despite that. But that being said, this is a a league where uh, you don't necessarily want to pay running backs at second contract. And I'm not saying he would be someone that would break the bank by any stretch of the imagination, but, you have James Cook in the fold. You can always draft another guy. You can add some people pretty cheap in free agency running backs. Unfortunately, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen because there's a lot of different guys that do a lot of different things at higher levels than others, but it's they're easier to replace. Uh, Jordan Poyer, all-pro, outstanding player. He's going to be looking to break the bank, though. He's looking for that one big payday before he calls it uh, a career. And, and, you know, more power to him. He should be doing that. Uh He's signed some deals with the Bills. Obviously, his original deal is a great value for the team. And even some of these short-term extensions that he's made, uh, the Bills haven't had to break the bank for him. So I think age-wise, what he's going to be looking for, you kind of have to go away from that. Knox, he's still young. He's getting better every year. He's someone that I think can be a top 10, top 8 tight end in this league. Uh, And we're only scratching the surface on him As a player And then Tremaine Edmonds Listen, fans love to bash Edmonds Edmonds makes mistakes still Uh, He over-pursues at times But he's also very valuable to the defense In terms of uh, blocking off passing lanes Just with that wingspan Just with his presence on the field He makes some plays In terms of run stopping I think he's going to have his best season uh, As a pro in 2022 Just because of the defensive line And the talent in front of him He's going to be able to rely on his instincts, make plays, uh, create plays closer to the, the line because of the uh, Daquan Joneses of the world, who's going to be eating up blockers at Oliver, who is emerging as a uh, star before our eyes here, in my opinion at least. You have Von you and Greg so I think that he's going to be able to do
1: a lot. So of those four players you mentioned, those are the two I would go with. Ryan Talbot, New York Upstate, and the co-host of the Shot Buffalo Football Podcast, our guest here on the Pandemonium Podcast Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, Ryan now at 30,000 followers on Twitter, a big shot, of course, at Ryan Talbot Bills, and we love him because he's a Bonaventure grad as well. Um, Ryan, give me your breakout defensive player, your breakout offensive player this season. I think last year it was probably we were looking at Knox and Oliver, right? They pretty much delivered. How about going into 2022? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, you, you look at this
0: offense, I, I think Gabriel Davis has already broken out in terms of his postseason play. But we haven't seen it over the regular season. So uh, that's who I'm gonna go with in, in terms of my breakout on the offense side of the ball. I think it's an easy choice. He is pretty much uh slotted in and put it in sharpie as your number two receiver on the outside. And as I was saying, Stephon Diggs is Stefan Diggs is gonna get a lot of attention from opposing defenses. That's gonna help Gabriel Davis. You have a guy like Dawson Knox, who broke out all you know over the course of the season nine touchdowns. Uh, There's going to be a lot of tension there. So, when you already have one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Josh Allen, he's going to be spreading that ball around. That means Gabriel Davis is going to get a lot of opportunities to make plays. So, he'll be my offensive side of the ball pick. You know, defense, the secondary is already great. You could make a case for one of the cornerbacks opposite Trey White. Uh, I'm going to go with maybe a little bit of a surprise pick, a new addition to this lineup Tim Settle. He, He was signed as in free agency. Uh, He's someone that I watched a lot for whatever, you know, I I guess NFC East football was on TV a lot in this area. Uh, And sometimes during, you know, same slot as the Bills, sometimes opposite. So I did get to see some Washington commander football last year and over the last few years. And Settle was always impressive to me because Washington had a defensive line that was nothing but first round picks. And he was always top of the rotation, someone that they would get a lot, you know, a fair amount of snaps to. And he always produced. He was great uh, when they when they had him on the field. I think he's going to be great for the Bills as well. And, and mind you, it's going to be a rotation. His, his snaps will be limited, but I thought that that was a sneaky under the radar signing for the Buffalo Bills. And so he's a guy that I'm really excited to watch this year. You're
1: you're really obviously close to the team and you're plugged in uh, on a daily basis. But are you ever surprised, Ryan, on a daily? basis at, at at how huge the bills are right now. I mean, you you could make the argument between Josh Allen to it's a destination to what McDermott and Bean have built and everything that that goes with that and in between that the bills are the number one story in the NFL right now because they're always in the news. Allen's playing in the golf challenge with Mahomes, Brady and and, and Rogers. The Bills are the Super Bowl favorites. The Bills got Von Miller. They're everywhere. Are, are you even kind of just – these guys are so big right now, and it's all people want to talk about in western New York and the southern tier. Bills fans in central New York, it's all they want to talk about with me right now. What 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 is your – where do you land on, on how enormous this team has gotten over, I don't know, not even probably six to eight months considering what they came off of?
0: Well, you know, short-term view, I'm not surprised based on where they – in the playoffs based on that shootout with the Chiefs uh, and the overall talent on this roster. But if you just go back to the previous regimes, it's amazing. Uh, the drought, the, the suffering this fan base had to go through uh, the the national mocking that took place when the Bills selected Josh Allen to where they are now, mm-hmm. you, you know, you you can't help but sit back and be impressed by the job that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and, and a lot of the other front office uh, members that uh, have either gone on to get jobs elsewhere in the league or are still here uh, that maybe don't get the credit they deserve. This, this team has rebuilt from... Uh, you know, being the laughing stock of the league, like you said, being super bowl favorites, you, you have one of I would say a top three, top four court, quarterback in Josh Allen. You have a solid running back room, you have a true number one receiver in Stephon Diggs, a breakout candidate in Gabriel Davis. Uh, some really good slot options between Crowder, McKenzie, and even the rookie Khalil Shakir. I think those yeah. role will, will uh increase as the year goes on. We already talked about Knox, offensive line's gotten better. They found a gem, I feel like, in Spencer Brown, someone who got better and better as the year went on. And now Cromer's going to hopefully put some uh, polish on that line and uh, help bring them to that next step. Defensive line, you mentioned Von Miller. There's that Oliver in place. Greg Rousseau made a lot of impact plays as a run stopper and flashed at times as a rookie year. I think Boogie Basham made the most of his opportunities last year. They were limited, albeit, uh, but he looked really good. I, I mentioned Equan Jones stuffing the run. Uh, Tim Settle, linebacker, one-two punch. Uh, you, you really have to like what you have in Edmonds in the line of the continuity they have there. And then the secondary. So if Trey White comes back and looks like the old Trey White, there's no reason to believe that this team uh, isn't going to improve on defense because of the new additions. I think offensively, you know, there might be a few growing pains here and there with Ken Dorsey taking over as a first-time play caller. But he has some guys on this coaching staff that have been offensive coordinators before, and I think that's huge for him, people to lean on. And when they figure things out, I think this offense is going to be just as good as they were last year. So,
1: you know, high expectations, but there's no reason for me to believe that they cannot beat them. Final thing for you in the minute or so I have left, Ryan. Um, we're coming off the Fourth of July holiday. I know uh, we were talking before we recorded that uh, it's just one of the great holidays out there, and we both had a good one. Um, give me some of your favorite, uh, foods. Do you have a power ranking one, one to five favorite foods of the 4th of July?
0: Oh, you know, that, that's a great one. You know, you, you can't go wrong with the classics, the burgers and the dogs, but, you know, some chivetta chicken, some ribs. I had ribs at my parents oh my. Uh, over the 4th, so you can't go wrong with ribs. And then for sides, I'm a big pasta salad fan. Uh, you get some pasta salad thrown in there as a side dish. I'm going to be, uh, my play with that, but even now, this time of year, the, the fresh fruits are outstanding. So you, you can't go wrong across the board. But standard uh, burgers, dogs, like I said, pasta, salad, and then, you know, rips are outstanding. So rips have to find a spot on my
1: top four as well. Love it. Ryan Talbot, Bills writer for New York Upstate and the co-host of the Shaw Buffalo Football Podcast on Twitter, at Ryan Talbot Bills. Ryan, thanks so much for doing this. And, uh, hey, congratulations to your mom as well on the, on the uh, recent retirement, bud. Take care. Hey, thank you. All right, now I want to spend about ten minutes or so on the Bills' schedule and kind of break down some areas where I think you know it'll be crucial, you know, that they stay above water, um, and then where they can really take off and, and steal home field advantage—not steal, but but get it. Um, <clears throat> we we start out. I mean, obviously, the Bills are one of the best teams in football. Um, the Bills are coming off of two very successful seasons. Uh the Bills played for the you know, played in the AFC Championship game two years ago. They should have played in it again um, last year at home. Uh we all know what happened. We're just gonna leave that there. Um, but look, they have all these prime time games. It's gonna be an unbelievably difficult schedule. Uh travel times different, you know, uh different time zones, um, you know, road venues, they're playing a lot of the elite quarterbacks. The AFC East is better and deeper. Um, especially on the Jets and Dolphins side of things. And so this is not going to be a picnic uh, the whole year. Now, for as much as we can say, oh, they got to play the Rams, they got to play the Titans, they have to play the Ravens, they have to play the Chiefs and the Steelers. Those teams have to play the Bills, too. So it goes both ways. But when you look at that first six-game stretch of the season until the bye week, they get a bye week in Week 7 which I don't love, I would almost like it better if they had it around November 6th or 13th, and then they can go you know, from there. However, um, actually, week eight would be perfect, right? Because that's not only smack dab in the middle of the season, but um, you know, you, you'd have another, like let's say if you flipped week seven and week eight, you'd have Green Bay in week seven as part of the opening gauntlet of the season, and then things ease up. The first six games of the season, they have to go at Rams, home for Titans, with a lot of revenge on the line. At Miami, will not be an easy game. At Baltimore, very, very difficult environment. I've been there for Sunday Night Football. It's very, very loud and very intense. And I think you're going to get a big year out of Lamar this year because he's in a contract year. He's betting on himself. Um, he still has yet to hire an agent out you know instead of his mom. Uh, Kansas City on the road. I mean, we know all about what that venue is and Reed and Mahomes and company and the 13 seconds and all that crap that will be brought up. Uh, that Sunday at 425, I can't imagine the ratings for that game considering what happened last year. That'll be a CBS game with Nance and Romo. It's going to be unbelievable. Those six games, I'm looking at this, if the Bills can go 4-2, and two, I think, and I'm not, I have to remind people, I don't subscribe to the whole, oh, go through the schedule, that's a win, this is a lot, that's a win, that's a, I'm just doing it on the whole because there's too many things that can happen between now and now training camp and the start of the season and through the season with injuries and everything else in between. Um, And so I'm just looking at it on the whole. I'm not saying they're going to beat Pittsburgh, Casey, Baltimore, and LA. I'm not saying they're going to beat Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. I'm not saying who they're going to beat and who they're going to lose to. I'm saying the overall six games, if they go four and two in that stretch, they get a bye week, two weeks to prepare for the Green Bay Packers at home. I think that's a very winnable game. If you can win that game, you are five and two. I think if the Bills can get to five and two by Week Eight, they can then go on a major, major run against inferior opponents. At the Jets, home for Minnesota. Minnesota is a really good team, really flashy. But you're at home. You got to win that game. It's Allen and Kirk Cousins. You have a major, major, major advantage in terms of your quarterback, in terms of your coaching, in terms of your playmaking, in terms of your defense. They got to win that game. Then they have Cleveland at home. Cleveland's, you know, going to be a really, really tough team. We don't know if Deshaun Watson will be in the lineup for that game, but again, it's a home game. You need to win that game. You have Josh Allen. Uh, then you go at Detroit. That should be a blowout win on Thanksgiving. I mean, I would love to see a thirty-one to nothing, you know, sort of lead in the third quarter, and Allen and everybody's, you know, they're pounding the turkey legs and all the rest. Then you go at New England. Should be another win. Then you go home for the Jets. Home for Miami should be a win at Chicago. Is there anyone out there who thinks that this is not possible to run the table, right? I mean, three, six, eight eight wins in a row before at Cincinnati, the Monday night game, which could ultimately be a home field advantage decider on uh, on January 2nd, which is a uh, Monday night football game as we open the new year, and then the Bills host New England on January 8th, which should be another win. I'm looking at it as it might be hard to win eight in a row, not might, it will be, just because it's hard to win that many games in a row in the NFL. But if you've watched the Bills in the past, I mean, a couple of years, this is a team that has put together, you know, really, really, really good win streaks, you know, Um, you know, going back to uh, 2020 campaign with the, you know, the no fans and all that, um, you know, who can forget that great November you know, to January stretch. You know, the Bills won six games in a row. You know, they beat the Chargers at home. They won at San Fran. That was a great win. Pittsburgh at home. They won at Denver. They won at New England. They beat Miami at home. Um, you know, those were all uh, in, in a big time six game win streak. You know, they they started that season four and zero, right? So they they can win four. I mean, they've been accustomed to winning four games, five games, six games in a row um you know you go back to 2021 and you know after that loss to Pittsburgh they reeled off 4 in a row um you know again finishing strong has been a staple of Sean McDermott's teams they won 4 in a row to end the year uh last year right they won uh 5 of 7 to end the season so i see no reason why in that stretch that the bills you know can't go at the very very worst Seven and one. I mean, I, I really believe that it's going to be, you know, eight and zero oh or seven and one. Um, I probably should say six and two, just to just to put a safety blanket on it. That six and two, you know, hey, that's the worst case scenario. But if you go five and two after the Packer game, and you have those next eight games, even if you go six and two, you are eleven. And four at that particular point, that will be—you're going to be in 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 the in the major upper tier of the AFC to get home field advantage. We all know how this probably works. I mean, the Bills, you know, with the 13 seconds and all that last year in KC, they should have been hosting the AFC Championship game. I think they probably would have beaten the Bengals. No disrespect to Cincy because they went into KC and won, but I, I just think it would have been a different on a different level in Buffalo. Um, you know, and then in, in the Super Bowl, you take your shot, right? You, you, you take your chances. It's a coin flip game against the LA Rams. Um, wh- what I think though is if if they can pull off the seven and one mark at, at worst, now you're looking at a whole other ball. I mean you're looking at 12 and three at that point, right? And if you're 12 and three and you still have you know home for New England left, and at Cincy, you know, even if you split those two games, you're 13 and 4. Um, 13 and 4, I think, is probably the number this year to get home field. I think that's probably going to do it. Because I think when you look at the NFL standings, you look at the divisions, um, the AFC South is basically, you know, a, a Colt Titan world between the two. Um, but i don't see any of those teams being good enough to get 13 wins i don't i think they could get 11 or 12 but 13's a whole other level that's i mean you're you've only lost 4 times during the season i mean you are the elite of the elite when you go 13 and 4 um in the afc north i think they're going to be beating each other up quite a bit i think the ravens bengals browns and steelers all have great chances to win the division they all have, and and yes i did say pittsburgh steelers there because they don't go very far uh, when they when they struggle, and Mike Tomlin, as long as he's, uh, you know, captaining the ship, uh, Pittsburgh's going to be right there. But they're going to beat each other up quite a bit as well, uh, more so than I think the AFC East. I think the Bills will be tested by the Jets and Dolphins more. Um, I think, however, that they are able to beat, you know, I think that they're going to go 3-1 and one against those teams, maybe sweep New England 5. You know, if you you got to go 5-1 in the division still, I think, until Miami and the Jets really take the next step. Um, but it's going to be hard. I mean, Miami's got a ton of speed. they got Tyreek Hill. I mean, it's it's going to be an unbelievable test, especially on the road early in the year. And then the AFC West, for as much as they have loaded up with unbelievable players, I mean, look at you know the Denver Broncos get Russell Wilson, Ra- uh, the Raiders get Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones, the Chargers go out and get J.C. Jackson, and they trade for Khalil Mack. Um, those teams could beat each other up to the point where the division winner has only 11 wins, right? Because you got to play six games against everybody else. The Raiders could have a really, really nice year, but what happens if they go, you know, one and five in the division because it's so difficult, that's going to level, you know, itself out. Same goes for the Chiefs, same goes for the Broncos, same goes for the LA uh, Chargers. So I think 13-4 and four is probably the mark, but I think that schedule is a really, 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 really uh, a favorable one despite being very difficult. Um, you know, the Bills they don't have to face a lot of teams who have extra preparation Um, where they are slotted in prime time and elsewhere. They have breaks. Uh, You know, you look at the Thanksgiving day game. Okay. You're at Detroit playing a Thursday. It's 1230. You got to get up earlier. It's, you know, it's a, uh, it's almost an indirect prime time game on Thanksgiving, but then you have the extra couple of days to prepare. You'll be back in Buffalo in no time after that game. Uh, You'll be back probably by what, eight o'clock, seven, eight o'clock at night. Um, nine o'clock at the latest, you, you know, you're flying private and then you have a couple extra days to, uh, well, actually in this case, you don't have a couple extra days because you got to deal with new England on a Thursday night again. But then after that, you do have the extra couple of days and you're on the East coast when you play new England, it's an eight fifteen primetime start Thursday. You get back really, really late, but you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to prepare for the New York jets. And then you're home again against the dolphins. I mean, you have a couple of home games after that Patriot game. Um, you know, after the bye week, the Bills are right at home, so they'll be able to do, you know, just unbelievable preparation for Green Bay. Um, you know, even the prime 10 games in the beginning of the season, you've got the Thursday night game against the Rams, but then you have an extra couple of days to prepare for the Titans, right? I mean, you're going to have to fly cross country back. You're going to get in really, really late again. But. You have, uh, uh, once you get, can kind of get caught up, Friday will probably be a throwaway day. But then you got Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to prepare for tight, the Titans. And you're home for that game. Uh, stay on the East Coast, Miami. Stay on the East Coast, Baltimore. Both 1 o'clock games. Home versus Pittsburgh, another 1 o'clock game. Kansas City, not that far of a trip, 425. But then you go home, and then you have the bye week, and then you play Green Bay in two weeks. So it, it the schedule is, for as difficult and primetime filled as it is, the schedule is very, very fair. And I think the ultimate goal for the Bills is to go 13 and 4, because I think that's the ultimate number to get home field advantage. My thanks to New York Upstate's Ryan Talbot. I'm Mike Lindsley here on the Pandemonium Podcast, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. We are giving you seven days of Bills content. Monday through Friday. Keep it go- Monday through Sunday, excuse me, keep it going on the follows. The likes, the shares, everything uh, in between, and you can of course hit me on Twitter at Mike Sports and get us at Built in Buffalo. Underscore Dave Akeem and the gang are doing an amazing job. Hats off to Breaking Tables for having me on their show uh, recently as well. I had a great great time with those guys. And uh, hey, make sure you download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five star review to all of the network. Of course, if you just download and subscribe to the Built in Buffalo podcast network, you'll get all the shows dumped right in to your smartphone device thanks again for listening and as i always tell you enjoy the games
0: thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube